Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. All right. Back again with another episode of the Event Tech Podcast. I and think you're supposed to do the intro. That's right. We, I totally <laughs> messed it up. We talked about it in advance, and then I got into the music, and I was jamming out, and then I thought about other things, and then I was like, well, that gentleman over there is Will Curran of Endless Events. And that man over there is the productive Brant Kruger of IDCOM. IDCOM, that's right. No longer event technology consulting, um, uh, hanging up the, uh, the, the, the cleats. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great. I've, I've, so I've, I've, accepted you make it sound like you gave up on doing something. No, no, no like you, no, you, you, you're going for freelance to, yeah. to work in. For yeah. Someone. I freelance, I was in, I was doing freelance and independent technical production for, uh, about eight years. Um, and, uh, yeah, have just rejoined a, a team, which is fun to be back and working with a team again, uh, at IDCOM, which is a, a, a media and event production company out of Minneapolis here, uh, where I'm located. And it's very exciting. It's fun. It's, it's been, it's been a whirlwind couple of months as it went from, uh, Hey, would you like to freelance for us for a little bit to, Hey, would you like to be full time with us for a bit? And yeah, so yeah, it's been it's been great. So it's yeah, nothing's going to change here. Still going to do the podcast. Still doing the event tech chats on Fridays. Uh, still doing all the other extracurricular activities, uh, which is great that they uh, they're they're letting me continue to do all that kind of stuff. But just a yeah, new new tagline now now not brand of event technology consulting, but brand of IDCOM. It's going to take me a few few years to shake it. Yeah, <laughs> so well, and, and for folks that obviously it's an audio podcast, so it's E I D E C O M. So E I D, it's a last name. Charles Ide is one of the founders. So uh, Idecom, uh, based out of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Check us out. Check That's us out. Awesome. That is awesome. Well, welcome to uh, the the non freelance life. The non freelance um. <laughs> life. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's weird to be back uh, back commuting and uh, going into the office on a daily basis and working with a team again. It's fun. Heck yeah! Great company though. Great company for sure. Um, cool. Well, let's dive into this week's topic. Um, and we were starting to like look into next year and Brant, I, I don't know if you've been kind of noticing this trend, but everybody's wondering about budgets. Like, what am I going to do if my budget's down next year? My budget is down next year. You know, how do I get more budget? All those things like that. So I figured we get in the weeds with the vent technology and talk about, yeah, like what does it mean to, for budgets in the next year and how do you Absolutely. You know, we, we go in these cycles, right? Where, where after the recession in like 2009, there was a big budget crunch and, you know, then there was another thing a few years after that. And then there was another, you know, so it's, it's, these things kind of go in cycles where there's up years and down years. And so a lot of the advice that we'll be giving today is stuff that we've talked about before in other forms, um, over the course of the years. But yeah, I'm curious hearing that a lot as well. So, uh, you know, whether it's actual AV and production costs going up, mm-hmm. um, I've heard many people say as much as 30%. Um, whether or not that's, that's the case for you and your AV provider and production providers, um, there's still the other things that have gone up. So food prices have gone up, catering's mm-hmm. gone up, coffee's gone up, the venue prices have gone up, gas has gone up, flights have gone up. I mean, all of Labor's these other... Up, so yeah. even if your AV and production costs <laughs> have stayed the same, all of these other things have gone up in price. And so definitely people are looking long and hard at their budgets and trying to decide, okay, where can I trim off a little fat here and there? 
And I definitely think when it comes to like the event technology side, I think like you and I kind of know this is maybe this is the the hidden truth that's existed. It's like we're also usually the ones that get hit first because people are like, oh, yeah, do you really need event technology for your event? Do you really need a great production? You know, so like, you know, but if you say like, oh, we're going to not give people lunch for our event, that's usually one of the last things they want to get rid of, you know. We absolutely need it, um, right? On right, too, right. So well, even if it's just the rubber chicken and the the, <laughs> the the kind of stale green beans that come on the side, the little mashed potatoes, uh, yeah, that's totally. So I figured instead of a, like, I think we we rant about this stuff all the time about budgets going down. We wanted to get you have Brant and I who have looked at thousands of budgets and built out budgets for all kinds of event technologies, platforms, AV, all those things like that. So we wanted to give our like, what would we do in this situation if we knew our budget was coming down ten percent or twenty percent or whatever it is? Um, so. I'll, I'll kick it off with a tip. Shall, shall we dive on in? Well, uh, I want to. I want to be real careful. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I might. I might. I'm going to throw a flag because I actually was guilty of this just this morning, where we dove in on a technical, on a Ooh. question, and then one of the other people in the chat was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, time out," and moved it back uh, a step. So before we get into the actual hardcore tips, that's why I keep you around. Budgets, by the way, budgets going around ten percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and like I said, I was guilty of it this morning as well. So I want to go back to the important question that I always ask, and it's part of the Brandt drinking game: is going mm. back to the goals and objectives of the event. Like that's the fastest way when you want to start figuring out what can I cut. Mm -hmm. uh, you really need to take one step back and say, why are we even doing this event? Like, what is the purpose? Mm -hmm. And it turned out answering that, asking that question uh, in the context of, like I said this morning, really made a difference on what the answer was from a technology standpoint. And so mm -hmm. just take that, you know, before we dive into what I would do and what I would change and all that kind of stuff, I just want to reemphasize to folks how important it is to every now and then really go back and analyze what are the goals and objectives of this event? What are we trying to do? What's the purpose of this event? How do we want people to feel when they go away from it? What really and truly are we even doing here today? Yeah. And then yeah. so much of your questions are going to get answered flowing from that. And then, you know, the rest of the brand drinking game, right, is know your stakeholders. So mm -hmm. knowing your attendees, what it is they want to get out of it. What are your salespeople want to get? Because if you just go hacking and cutting and slashing your budget willy nilly, sure. you could accidentally wind up cutting something that's really important to yeah. your attendees, really important to your internal stakeholders that might not necessarily be immediately obvious to you. Like, oh, we mm -hmm. need to we need to get a different event app in here. Well, it turns out that event app is, you know, tied into their sales program. You know, it, it links mm -hmm. to Salesforce or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So you have to go into this really intentionally. So I just wanted to take that moment to kind of take one step back and say, you know, it, it it's worth it to reevaluate what is it that your stakeholders want, your internal mm -hmm. stakeholders, your attendees, your planning team? You know, you, you're not nothing either, planners, mm -hmm. right? You got to got to take into account what's important to you guys. Um, and then um, the goals and objectives of the event. What are, you, what are you actually trying to accomplish with this event? There. Thus end the, oh, the that's, soapbox. That's and, that's then we can, and then we can start talking about where can we go from there. Well, you bring up a good point before I like, I guess I make that first tip then too. like, you know, like I've been infamously going around the events industry, talking about budgets as part of next year's trends. And one of the mm -hmm. things I've been saying is like, 
let's get rid of the lunch catering budget. You know, instead give them a three-hour lunch to go off-site and, you know, all these things like that. You know, I give this advice mainly because I want to challenge people into thinking differently, which will be related to my tip in a second. But your, your point, if you know your stakeholders, though, that, you know, let's say, for example, you're doing hosted appointments and they have to go into appointment and they you need to maximize the number of people meeting with your hosted buyer appointments or whatever it may be might not make sense that they walk away for three hours to go to the catering and it does make sense to like try to actually get the food even closer to them to maximize it and that's one of those cases where my advice of sometimes slashing the catering budget might not work so i guess that kind of like relates to my, my my first tip when it comes to this so like the idea that like so we were talking about a lot about this going into this year that like we need to take our hand out of the coconut so like the the metaphor behind this and i'm not sure if i've talked about it on the show so uh, yeah you're gonna, say, you're gonna have to explain <laughs> okay, that okay good 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 I'm, okay I'm, I'm not i'm not following <laughs> this is that it's yet <laughs> and shout outs to keaton on uh, uh my director of sales and operations at endless and he he actually was the one who brought this up and i was like oh this is a great metaphor. It's the idea that like, so like somewhere in the world, they they hunt monkeys, right? And they, they, they like, I don't know, let's say they are, they're destroying crops or something like that. So what they do is they go out and they put a coconut and they, what they do is they fill it with a bunch of fruit, but they make the hole only big enough that the monkey can fit their hand in. But once they grab the fruit, they make a fist and they can't pull that fruit out because the fist is too big. Well, what they do is they chain it to something so they can catch the monkey. And the thing with the monkey is that it wants the fruit so bad that it literally will risk its life in order to get that fruit, right? So like the idea is like the metaphor we've been using a lot this year is like, we need to be willing to let go of things that we thought were the fruit in order to save our lives, right? Or to find that new thing. So when it comes to budgeting, like the the met, the more, the less cr- can monkey- I, Can I give you a metaphor that doesn't involve like capturing monkeys? Cause <laughs> well, that just seems a little wrong. It is. How about, it also- how about Homer trying to get the candy out of the candy machine? Okay, yeah, there, they, you they go, bring there you in, go. They bring in like a whole like crew. <laughs> and at some point somebody goes, are you still holding on to the candy? <laughs> yes. And then he lets go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's actually a much better. And I've been saying this okay. for literally twelve months, and you're the first person to correct him with a much better it just feels metaphor. Feels a little wrong about trying to trap the monkeys. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. So. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. So. What, Otherwise, I, so great metaphor. Homer needs to let go. So. So the the metaphor I also bring with this too is the idea that like when it comes to our budgets, we also need to like just cut it. Like start stop duplicating your Google spreadsheet that has your budget and pulling it to next year and then trying to tweak little things. Because at that point, it can seem really, really hard to make big differences. Like, oh, that only saves $500 a year. That saves $1,000 here. But in reality, like if you take that budget and clear it out, and I use the metaphor of don't think outside the box, crush the box. Like, I think we need to do a lot more of those exercises. Yeah. And to your point, pair that with the hard question of asking yourself, does this actually help my goal what I'm trying to accomplish. And what's interesting is I think psychologically, we always try to find a way to relate it back. Oh, I just need it for this X, Y, Z. But when we really start letting go of things and not, for lack of a better term, like not caring and not being emotionally attached to it, it makes it a lot easier to make those decisions when it comes to that is That is a phenomenal first tip, right? So is don't just start looking for places to cut, but start from zero and build this from the from the ground up you know it's it's a great it's not even it's not only a good it's 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 a good metaphor but it's also like good reality and i've been on so many shows that just built up over the years right so mm-hmm. oh we got to add this oh it is they're going to do a demo on the internet okay we got to add another computer and that's got a hard line okay now we got to add this and we got to add this and then you know at some point you look down the row backstage and there's like 37 computers <laughs> there's you know it's you got you know, like sub switching where there's a you know a video switcher going into another switcher because we just added on a little extra four channel thing and and oh, yeah 
what would you do if you started from scratch? Like, what, how would you design this show if you started from scratch and didn't have all that baggage and didn't have all that legacy? Oh, well, we'd probably get a larger video switcher and we, you know, we, this computer can do this and this can, you know, you know there's, there's lots of different ways that you can do that. So I love that idea of, of tearing it down to zero, pairing that with how I started things of like goals and objectives and knowing your stakeholders and then rebuild it back up. And yeah, you might be surprised already on you know what potential cost savings there might be or at least better ways of spending your money yeah that's such a good point i i have seen that happen literally in so many events where we we get to the show and we go why do we have this and someone goes well they used it last year and then we're like and then we're like well are they using it this year well we have it here just in case and the client's just not you know not aware of what's going on it's it's very easy for those like truly like we joke about hidden costs but Mm -hmm. really you just it's, it's hidden in there and yeah like that that um baggage i love the, yeah. the idea of why baggage. is this on there well two years ago there was a breakout session that wound up having to be virtual and so we added this thing and it was like okay are they doing that this year uh, i don't think so i don't know maybe <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and what's interesting is and, and you think to yourself oh if i do a new vendor they'll they'll wipe all that out all the baggage will go away right. no it never works because what happened is like a lot of times you'll end up like handing over like the scope of work from last year and they literally right. just copy it word for word with zero context and what's going on on here too so like i've seen that happen too where let, let's talk about not even baggage but sometimes like over complication of things like someone might for example like uh, we'll use the av terminal terminology so we're talking about the av baggage but they might have been like thrown like an encore system the ability to switch multiple screens ultra wide blah 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 and then you're sitting here and you're like why do we have this here like we don't really yeah it's great to have this awesome piece of technology but in reality it's like i don't know if this has necessarily been need to be here because like it was just over scoping of what was necessary yeah, so that's so that's a great tip number one. Well, actually, tip number two, right? So tip number one is remember why you're doing the show in the first place. Tip number yep. two is rather than slicing and dashing, but you know, scratching the budget, start from scratch and say, okay, what are we doing? And then you're gonna you're gonna scrape off a lot of that waste that has you know built up over the years. Like you said, maybe we had this kind of switcher because we had a panoramic screen three years ago and we were doing a bunch of stuff on there and we're not doing that anymore. So, you know, a lot of that is then going to get scraped away. Um, So that's, yeah, great, great, great number one and two out of the bat. Uh, I got another one. This one can start to be applied, I think, to also the platforms and more general registration platforms and things like that too. But look, look, next year I look for is redundancies. Um, so this can happen too sometimes with technology is that we sometimes we needed two separate components because they need they they had to interface with each other we needed the features of them they had to interface whatever the heck it may be and for example I'm thinking in a pl- in a platform game might be something like oh hey there was no automated captions for this live stream so uh, we paid an automated captions vendor and then we have the live stream well then the platform came out and said we do automated captions for free now but because you aren't clearing out that budget in some ways you end up having redundancies where you might actually be paying for the same thing twice so that's an area i would look for too is like you know is there a way that maybe for example talking your vendors to see like hey is this person already private but also too maybe that person can do it cheaper too yep Yep. And um, another, you know, similar along the same lines is especially dealing with uh, in-house AV companies and things like that, keeping an eye on uh, along, uh, um, what's the word, Uh, 
uh, consumables, redundancy mm. and consumables. So we're talking about batteries, tape, stuff like that. You know, back back in the day on this podcast where I shared like my world famous RFP that was the craziest, most expensive RFP of all time. Worth every, a listen, by the way, everyone. <laughs> every go back, go back and find that episode for sure. The 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 every single breakout room had like three rolls of tape listed. Every single breakout room had multiple nine volt batteries listed for the for the wireless. Every single breakout room had you know two terabyte drive you know, mm-hmm. listed for recordings, everything. And so just making sure, you know, hey, we're not going to need eight times, you know, eight rolls, eight brand new rolls of calf tape, you know, to cover, you know, our, our eight breakout rooms. We're not going to need 36 batteries a day for, you know, for one wireless microphone. So just keeping an eyeball on those consumables and seeing where those are listed and how many times those are listed on your show is a great way to look for redundancy. I think some way to think about that too in terms of like labor too is like if your platform technology you know might have built out a lot of labor hours to help build out your conference if you're using that same vendor again there might be a chance that they don't need as much time associated with it because you understand the technology they understand your event better all those things like that obviously this is all case by case and we are not giving you the formula just to get down to whatever percent you need to but like these are all conversations that you can have but i would say like talk to them about the labor and how it's all set up hey is there any way that this year's going to be easier can we save a little bit of money xyz here and there um and I have another tip, but it's going to be a little bit of a kind of a departure. Just a, it's a very overarching one too. Should, well, you brought, I go you for brought it the you... labor. We can we can linger on that for a little bit. So yeah, so yeah. breakout sessions. You know, there's 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 huge savings that you can have. I, you know, I, labor's touchy for me. You know, I'm I'm always reluctant to try and ask a production company to try and do the same show with less people. Um, you know, they they're usually scoping out the number of people they believe it should take. It's you know very rarely have I ever seen someone like trying to stack up labor to try and make money. Usually, we're not making a ton of money on labor because it's you know it's it's a pass through type thing where most companies aren't really really doing much in the way of like marking up labor so the labor that they've got on the show is is what they feel they need in order to pull off that show so i'm always reluctant to try and ask but where you can start to look at that stuff is um are there things i can do to my show in order to save money on labor so things like yeah looking at schedule very subtle changes in your schedule can make a huge difference in the amount of labor that you've got i've got one in mind where um, anytime you've got like general session and then breakout 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 all day and then another general session um, most of the time, then you're going to have that general session crew on all day and sitting around doing nothing. And so taking a look at would it make sense to just do a general, you know, I get it. It's bookending. You know, you, you start with a big thing, you end with a big thing, but that can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have, you know, your big general session in the morning and then pare down your crew to just the couple of people that you need to keep an eye on the breakouts, let everybody else go. You're then you're then now paying that half day rate for your crew as opposed to a full day rate because we had to have a general session at eight and then a general session again at four um, in order to bookend the day. That's a huge difference when, when yeah. you've got, you know, oftentimes a crew of 12, 13 people on your general session, knocking that down to a half day rate instead of a full day rate can save thousands and thousands of dollars. Ooh. That reminds me, too, of the idea of multi-purposing the general session staff. Yep. This really depends, though, because I, I there's lots of caveats. Some 
engineers do not want to work breakouts. Yep. They will just be like, I want to work For the sure. jam session, and that's it. I don't want to be walking around all the time. So that obviously depends, but I would say talk to your probably your your company, the company at that point, because a good culture of engineers yep. will also want multi-purpose. But the idea of saying, hey, you work the general session, if there's enough breaks, you got to make sure you account for lunch breaks. Don't don't make them go from general session immediately to start managing breakouts, but consider having the general session people manage the breakout rooms too. Um, you, again, you have to be careful of the 10-hour limits and all those yep. things like that. And, you know, again, you want to make sure that you're not burning out your whole crew altogether, but it's a potential way you could save some money on there too. I'll throw you another example of changing your schedule slightly and maybe spending some money to save some money. And that is, um, as we've been kind of rounding out gala season uh, here in the, in the Minneapolis area, um, there's a lot of long days where like you get to the venue at six o'clock in the morning, you set up all day, you start rehearsals, you know, three, 4 p.m., uh, you know, doors at 7.38, you've got a couple hour gala, and then you tear it all down that night. And then you wind up with, again, 12, 13, 14 people on double overtime because you're doing, you know, a 10 hour day, and then maybe four hours at one and a half time. And then over that, it goes to double time. Whereas sometimes if the venue has the space, and it can be difficult, especially if it's gala season or something like that, rolling in the day before, only doing a half day of like setup, set, getting everything all set up, and then coming in later in the day, the next day. So yes, you're gonna have to pay probably for the venue space. A lot of times venues will throw it in though. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, we've got nothing going on. Sure, come in the day before. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, you're avoiding, you know, hours of double, double overtime. Mm -hmm. It might, it might be worth running the numbers to see, you know, how much would it cost to reserve the space a day in advance so that you can just spread that out over two days. And not only is that potentially going to save you money, but it's also just better for the mindset of your crew that, you know, when you have to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning to get there, set up all day, dove, dive right into rehearsals, then run your show, I think there's an increased possibility of mistakes being yeah, made. It's and point. someone just grabbing the wrong fader because they're tired. And so then all of a sudden you've got a hot mic and the and the CEO is saying something bad, you know, into someone's ear. So just the, the, the more you can take a look at that overall schedule, you're going to find an and to your point that you said a little bit ago, have that conversation with your avian production company. Say, hey, what would happen if we came in the day before? How would that change our labor rates? Um, can make a huge difference. Again, potentially saving thousands and thousands of dollars by spending a little bit more and reserving the venue for a day earlier. We've done it too, where you add the day after too. So you can do strike on a, se a separate day and you get those fresh yep. legs. But uh, the one tip I'll give for everybody is everyone looks at these like double overtime, you know, rules and things like that. And they think, oh, these are like union rules and they're here just to make lots of money. But no, guys, like from Brant and I, who have done this a million times, it's there to protect the people. And Absolutely. I can tell you that I've never seen anybody push into overtime and all of a sudden, like, yeah, still be crushing it. Some people can do that. But, you know, as engineers get older and they have more experience because they're older they're going to start crashing a little bit earlier too. So just, you know that in mind too. Um, oh, I definitely, I mean, I'll just speaking for myself, like the day after one of those, you know, 20, 22 hour days, yeah. you're crushed for like the next day, day and a half. Like you can't, 
you're you're cooked. Like you wind up, you know, you get home at you know three o'clock in the morning. You wind up sleeping in, you know, a good chunk of the next day, and you're useless. <laughs> At least and then I, imagine I that you I'm had useless. A, imagine you then had a show that next day, then too. Exactly. Now you're right. worthless to that next client, and yep. you know that's why these rules all exist. I'll add one in about slightly changing the schedule. Um, so think about this when it comes to your platform and your live streaming technologies too. A lot of times. Uh, we want to recreate virtually to do lots of breakout rooms happening simultaneously like we do in-person events as well. So I've seen this happen where we're like, hey, we're going to do five concurrent, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Well, the important thing to think about when it comes to designing it and how changing your schedule might make it sense is by putting breaks between them, you might not necessarily need layering of different studios and different streamers. Um, so the reason why this is important is that if you have a live stream happening right now, let's say we're live streaming this right now, and we had a session right after this, you need the people to start getting ready, load it, get all their on the connection, test their audio, all those things like that. So you technically need two streaming rooms happening simultaneously. And that means you have double the cost by putting in breaks and also talking again to your streaming company. Um, you know, maybe for example, not doing as many concurrent sessions, you might be able to potentially save money on there too. And that's really, really the designing of the schedule saves a ton. Yep, I've got one more on this yeah, that's good. in the similar vein. And a lot of this, like I say, is just fresh in my head because we were coming off gala season. And so you see, I see it. And where it's another one of those, like it sounds like you might have to spend a little money, but the money that you have potentially could save uh, is, is incredible. So, and that is when you have that after party, right? So, you know, the, the main event is done and now we're gonna, and now we're gonna have the band and we're gonna play. If you continue to do that in the general session room, right? That's, that's now we've got that crew still sitting around mm -hmm. until the band is done two hours later. Um, and really the only person that's doing any work is like the sound person and the lighting person who's yeah. you know, maybe doing some wiggly lights. That if you can somehow move Move that after party to another room and you know ha okay everybody we're going to go next door and then you've got maybe another you know another stage a small sound you know sound rig in there some wiggly lights you know dance floor all that kind of stuff um yes that could potentially increase the cost there but again you don't have 12 to 14 people standing around sitting around doing nothing until 11 o'clock 11 30 at night waiting for the band to get done they can start striking the main room um, and potentially be out of there. Now you're only leaving maybe two or three people to manage that last room, that next that room next door. And again, potentially saving thousands and thousands of dollars on labor in order. And you know, you got to spend a little bit for the extra, you know, the extra sound person and that kind of stuff over there. But again, Thanks. do the math. It, it pays to crunch the numbers, and you'd be surprised how often that can be the case. So since you talk about location and how it intersects with people, um, quick tip make sure you're picking your locations that your events are happening in because that will massively dramatically create issues potentially in your event too for example let's say you decide next year is going to be in chicago get ready for unions get ready for higher costs right like all these things like that are really important to think about when it comes to it and i know sometimes we're picking our locations like years and years in advance sure and no one ever known that there was going to be a recession this year you know four years ago when you booked it but this stuff is really really important similarly even if you're not talking about changing cities Looking at venues, sometimes you're trying to find that third-party independent venue, you might save a ton of money. Maybe you'll have to get some infra internet infrastructure. Maybe you need to bring in a generator or do some extra power, but you might end up saving massive amounts of money because you don't have to use an in-house AV company or, you know, whatever it may be. And sometimes, too, like, again, this is where, like, the crush-the-box mentality comes with me is, like, take what you've done before and just throw it away and say, like, 
what if I do the opposite of what I was doing last right. year and that might end up saving you a ton of money? If I was doing this from scratch, how would I yeah. do it now? Or yeah, what would be the opposite? Yeah, the location of the venue is a gr another great point of, you know, so many times even prior to this, you know, this year, this specific budget crunch that we're talking about now, um, where I would see people that would do a show in like San Antonio and then they'd be in Vegas the next year and they'd be, well, we've got the same budget. It's like, well, oh. okay, then you're going to have a crap ton less <laughs> as yeah. far as AV because if you've got the same budget that you had in San Antonio and now you're trying to do it in Vegas or Chicago or something like that, it ain't going to work. You know, sure. you're, you know you're just not going to get the same value that you're going to get from a smaller market uh, venue. And, and I'll say this is like, I, I don't think I've ever said this on air or in a blog post, but the, it, this is very specific markets where this happens. In yes. it's, so like I, I can probably name off the top of my head, San Francisco – Vegas, You're Chicago, about most, expensive, most expensive markets. Yeah, uh, yeah. New York, <laughs> um, maybe Miami compared to Orlando. It's been a um, while, but Philly was definitely in there. Yeah, Philly. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of like the more union-like states. Yep. That's where you're going to get hit really hard. That costs are just going to be high because, again, also the equipment costs are going to be high because they know they're used to the business coming in and there's just so much spend. And usually, the people that are going to those cities want to spend a lot of money. The, things in general just be more expensive as well. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any, any other major ones. But, yeah, look less those kind of union towns is really where yeah. you're going to spend a lot. And Chicago's money. way better than it used to be because they, they were losing business. They were losing a ton of business. like, And they dropped out of the top 10 destinations. And city leaders and union sat down and like had said, hey, look, you can charge whatever you want, but if nobody comes here, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. So, you yeah. know, 0% increase of zero is zero. Um, you know, and so if, you know, if we're going to get back into this, we're going to have to settle this down. And they did. And it got much better than it used to be. And they worked their way back up and think back in, like, they were number three destination, I think, last time I saw. So mm -hmm. it's definitely something that, you know, to a certain extent, the market will try and work out. But there's still uh, certain markets that definitely seem more expensive, mm -hmm. um, uh, more expensive than others, especially when it comes to labor. Definitely. But also so equipment. Uh, I was going to say, speaking of like sitting down and talking, so this was probably my that kind of larger idea I had around this too, is yep. that like if you know that your budget's going to have to come down next year, start the conversations now. So this oh, is absolutely. the difference I see a lot of times too with clients. Some clients are not a, are, are too afraid to say, I need to get to my cost down to this or can you get down to this? What does this look like? They just go – Hey, can I remove this? Hey, can I? Re and you're just like, is this a design thing? Is this because your schedule's changing, your events changing, or is this you just need to get budget down? The reason why I think this is important in terms of this transparency is a lot of times, like your vendors are also your experts too. So right. if you sit here and say to them, where do you think that I can save money? They will note those hidden items. They might help you negotiate with the union because you're in a union city this year. Um, all those things like that, I think, come in play. But like, you have to start as a conversation. And I think if you share with them that, hey, my goal this year is I need to reduce, you know, your quote by ten thousand dollars, you can start that conversation early on too, rather than it seeming adversarial. How do we negotiate to get the best deal possible? Yeah. And then, yeah, you're working together as partners. And there's there's so many things that you can do. You know, I think some of the companies that I've worked with in like a Las Vegas where they said, hey, we have union people on staff. So rather than you getting them, you know, through the house, we'll just request this lightboard operator, this person, you know, to come through. And then you're going to get 
basically a lower rate because you're not getting their markup on it and all you're doing is paying you know directly to the to the union people and that'll satisfy this requirement and that'll satisfy this requirement and then you're not dealing with things like shadow labor which uh just to avoid jargon jail shadow labor is where you've got a union person that just sits there and watches your person do the job <laughs> um which is a thing uh yep, it's, definitely it's you know we we have to have you know an x number of, it's like okay great you want to use your third party av company great but you still need to hire us and we'll just sit there and watch you do it yeah. um so that's shadow labor um so you sometimes you can get around those things so yeah taking taking a that's another thing that you can take a step back and look at is where are we having this what's our location how much are we spending on that location and what can we do differently within that location to potentially save money as well Definitely. And, you know, these, these things uh, also apply again, yeah, to your platforms, to your registration platforms. If you go to your platform company and say, hey, guys, like I need to save $2,000, what what should we do? You know, you might end up finding, too, that if the partnership's deep enough, they yeah. might say they a, they might just be like, look, I'll give you a discount this year to help you get through this year. But next year, I need your like commitment that you're going to come back to this budget number. Yeah, multi-year um, contracts can but, can can and, waive. And some that of that, that was the next yeah. thing I was like, hey, like you can also uh, for a lot of people, if you're ready to commit and say I'm definitely going to be doing this conference for multi years, I really love this vendor. You know, a lot of co and I say I'll say I'll say this firsthand. We give like multi-year contracts to people, and we give discounts and favorable pricing to those who lock sure. on in. Um, and you know, I think what's great about that too is it just means you don't have to worry about who am I going to work with again next year. It does. It does. It's so much nicer on everybody's standpoint. Yeah, we do that as well. Where yeah, we'll lock in you know certain rate decreases and things like that for multi-year contracts. And it's yeah, it's nice for everybody, right? It's like you know we we know we're going to have the business, but mm -hmm. it's a partnership that we have to. I mean that in a good way like oh we got the business you know so we can ignore it but i mean it's it's comfortable that means we can settle in and really work with you um and 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 deepen that partnership over the course of a couple of years as opposed to well we got this one i hope we get the next one you know oh. that kind of thing which i you know as i'm saying that i realize that some people would want that because they want you to feel hungry and stuff like that but i don't think that comes from a place of partnership that comes from a mm -hmm. place of wanting to get the cost down or something along those lines yeah, and I think like if yeah, if you want to keep people hungry for the for the work, like you just let them know, like hey, like build it in your contract that like hey, like if there's an X Y Z specific measurable failure, we can break the contract or whatever it may mm -hmm. look like on there. Like I think that's really like contract design kind of comes in that that piece, but. You know, I, I definitely Advantech podcast is not responsible for legal advice and shouldn't be used. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Um, OK, so back to like places that we would look to save money, too. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things to look at, too, is that, you know, sometimes I think you're going to have to hold on ambitious projects. Right. Like, mm, yeah. you know, the this is, you know, I'm a big advocate for hybrid. I think it's what allows more people to attend your events, truly make them diverse, include everybody. Right. I also love it because you get to really do some really cool things when it comes to engagement. But it's also still kind of like in a flux where it's hard to do. You have to put a lot of resources and money into it. This might be a year where you have to say to yourself, like, we're so sorry. We have a goal to be hybrid in the next two years, but this year we got to go to in-person only. Or, hey, we know you really want to in-person only. We have to go virtual. And that's the thing I think we've talked yep. a little bit about, like as a potential trend and why we might see an upsurge in virtual events again is, you know, a lot of CFOs are going to be looking at the balance sheet. I think you said this before, not not me. So I, I think I get credit <laughs> to you. CFOs are going to be looking at this and going, man, yeah. you did this whole event virtually for $25,000. 
why are we spending $250,000 to do the same exact thing uh, in person? So you might see this kind of uh, switch on And we all know that virtual is gonna, it's sometimes really hard to plan for and can kind of suck. But, yeah. you know, again, like <laughs> it's hard to deny sometimes the cost savings too, right? Well, and I started the conversation talking about, okay, we got to go back to the goals and objectives and know your stakeholders and that kind of stuff. And in, in the particular conversation that I'm thinking of, the answer was don't do it. Right. So, you know, so once we got through the goals and objectives and know your stakeholders, the answer was like, what you want to do, you probably shouldn't do because uh, for that very reason that like if you want to do it on the cheap, that's worse than doing it, you know, uh, you know, than not doing it all uh, mm. to a certain extent, because one of the goals and objectives in that was we want to give people a taste of what that in-person experience is like. Well, if you give them a bad taste, they're not going to want to come to your show. So that might be part of that conversation is, yeah, we would love to do a hybrid event. Instead, what we're going to do is an all digital event for less money and an all in-person event for less money. Mm -hmm. So so to you, what you just said is, okay, we did this whole event for 25 grand. Um, now we did this in-person event and now you're asking me you wanna do a hybrid event that's gonna be you know even more expensive. Well, why don't we go back to the idea of doing one of each? So let's mm -hmm. do the in-person event really, really well. Let's do a digital event really, really well. And then when we're comfortable combining those into a hybrid event, let's try and do that really, really well, as opposed to trying to slapdash it or do it on a budget um, and you know just stick a camera in the back of the room and call it hybrid because that's cheap. Mm. Um, and it'll feel cheap. So if you want to do it inexpensively, great, but it'll also come off as being cheap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got another tip. I, I, there's one I have about, well, I think we should do a things you should avoid doing. Like things, yeah, here's was, where it would be bad idea, but I have one last I was thinking I think. about turning it around as well. It's like, what are yeah. our priorities? So like yeah. if we were, if we did burn it to the ground and start building it back up from the bottom, what yeah. would our priorities be? But go ahead with yours first. Um, I was going to say, um, when it comes to the, the, the idea of looking at your budgets too, like here's one tip I would have to, if you haven't, reevaluated and maybe bid out stuff through in the last three years, I would bid it out now at this point, because like, for example, I'm thinking specifically, sorry to all my platforms listening right now, but if you, <laughs> if you have the same pricing you had in 2020, chances are you're paying three times, four times more potentially. I think I would, I think it's safe to say that was happening because during 2020 we had massive over pricing because demand was Huge so high, but, inflation but, of prices but it's sure. dropped significantly, which is also one reason why we see all the layoffs and the, the mm -hmm. budget calling happening in these vent tech companies. But, um, I think that it's really worth it. If you haven't looked at that, 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 that pricing, you know, I'm not a big fan of telling people to bid things out because that usually means I get bid out, <laughs> yeah. but like, that's a good chance yep. for you to bid things out, you know? Yeah, and it's it's why I was screaming in 2020, don't get locked into a multi-year contract. Like, mm -hmm. don't do it. And I know a lot of people did that because they thought they were saving money and they wanted to just, this is our platform, this is what we're going to go with, and we don't want to then think about it for three years. Um, but I, I was just, to anybody, you know, go back and listen to our thought our thought episode uh, of what would we change if we had to go back in time and relive these last two years. And, you know, a lot of it was I would scream this louder. <laughs> and that was one of the things that I would scream louder is don't get locked into multi-year contracts on your online platforms. Um, so as much as I was just touting online uh, multi-year contracts <laughs> for AV companies. <clears throat> um, but for that very reason, though, is yeah. that especially in 2020, the price inflation on online platforms was insane. I mean, mm -hmm. it was, you know, $200,000 for a two-day 5,000-person event. And that's mm -hmm. insane, 
yeah. for an online platform. And, um, but, and they were charging that because they could. Yeah. And those prices have come down significantly. And I think if you are stuck in one of those multi-year contracts, I think it's worth going back to your salesperson and say, look, this is ridiculous. You're charging a tenth of what we locked in at. Um, you got to give us a break mm -hmm. on that. And then I think if they want to keep you as a customer, they'll consider it. Yeah. Um, uh, especially these larger companies that are, you know, they're, they're seeing their numbers dwindle. They need those daily active users, right? It's mm -hmm. like a Silicon Valley, you know, that's what they got their funding on was the number of users. And so if they want to keep you and your attendees as part of their user base, they'll consider it. They'll think about it. That's smart. And, and, and let's assume too, that all in all these scenarios, you're happy with your pie. It's doing everything yeah, you need to sure, attain your goals. Course. It's killing it. You know? Yes. But if you're unhappy at all, to, like that's when it like red alarms go off. Like let's, like figure out what else is out there like right. uh you know it's funny you joked about the like hey like uh, av companies for multi-year and like but we're preaching not multi-year for tech <laughs> companies i actually think i was reflecting on this while we we're talking and i might eat my own words but you know we'll we'll never change this he will never get an no, iphone never. um yeah. <laughs> i think that samsung in, forever yeah samsung forever my foot on your arm. I, yep. I will never go away from having a folding phone um right. <laughs> the the interesting thing i think is that i would actually preach that it's good to keep your technology, like and when I say technology, I'm talking about like platforms, registration, things that actually have tech. AV is a very like mature market now. You know, yeah. like it, there's not massive change. You're not going to see like you know like Icom's going to continue to be a great AV company as an example. Um, yeah. So I think one of the things is like, but where it comes to technology, like what might be the leading platform, <coughs> hop in, might not be here in a year. And Could that's be. the thing we have to think about when it comes to these technologies. And I'll use a great example of this internally at Endless. Um, and I don't, I don't think I'll get in trouble for sharing this. We use <laughs> Gong to do all of our like call recordings. Like a, it does transcribing. It does call analytics. It allows us to do commenting calls. It's an amazing software. And when I found it, it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. Within a year, one of my, I was telling my friend, like, yeah, I use Gong. And he's like, I'm like, yeah, I spent like $10,000. It was something ridiculous. And it was my most expensive software. And he goes, my friend goes, you know about X, Y, Z. And they were three new competitors that had come up in the last year, way cheaper. So you mm -hmm. know what I did? I used that. I bid it, checked all the, make sure they were the best. Gong was still the best, but I didn't want my cost to Gong go down. So I bid them against each other. Gong yeah. came down in cost. Another year goes around. We did the same thing. And now there's so many comparisons. There's people that are better than Gong now. And the thing is, like, you, Gong at the time was the most amazing, mind blowing software I've seen. Like, that and Rippling were the two that, like, just blew my mind when mm -hmm. it came to B2B software. But it changed over the course of years. And I think that's the thing you have to keep in mind is that. You know, for a lot of them, unless they're continuing to give you amazing support, I think you put yourself in multi-year contracts for the people, but don't put yourself in multi-year contracts for the technology. I think that's a, a great way of putting it. I think that's a great way of putting it. That yeah, you're you're locking into multi-year contracts because of the partnership and the people mm -hmm. that are behind it, and you know that they're going to support you. And you know, thinking specifically of AV, right? You know, that if, if you're the type of company that's constantly refreshing its gear, um, you know, that's that's. Something. But if you go, you're also gonna you've got those companies that just like they run that gear till the last possible drop, you know, kind of thing. And so you wind up on shows where it's just the worst gear ever. And so it's yeah, it's you're definitely doing that for the people as opposed to the technology. And I'll throw one more little tick on that that we were just again talking about it today on the on the chat is um, someone had locked in on one of these companies that got bought 
and oh. they were I don't think I don't think it was a multi-year contract thing but they were definitely like all in on this on this technology and they just the the company that bought them just announced that they're phasing it out and oh. so it's one of those things it's like ah okay well now we now we have to bid it out because you decided that you had to have this yeah. new toy and you bought it and now you're phasing it out which happens a lot in Silicon Valley but not so much in our world. And so as these mergers and acquisitions continue to happen in the online event space, we're going to see more of that where someone's got the product that they loved, it got bought by somebody else. And then, you know, that company eventually decided, you know, we're not going to do that. That's and their primary scary. product doesn't do what they want it to do. Oh, yeah, that's really scary for sure. Um Blech. So yeah, uh, do we want to move towards uh, things we want? We want, yeah, we want to avoid yeah, would, doing I, and how yeah, we, we, we don't need up. to go too deep in it. It's stuff that we've talked about in the past, but my, you know, I can certainly go through my priorities of if I were building a show from the ground up, and it's going to be a lot of the stuff that you've heard before. So I don't, again, don't need to go too deep on it. But for me, audio is number one, first and foremost, right? And you talk about that, production within the production. Yeah, like the, it's the last thing that I would cut, and so therefore it's the first thing that I would put in is making sure that you're covered and fully covered. On on audio because so much of what we do is about communicating a message one way or the other. And that includes even concerts and stuff like that, right? You're mm -hmm. delivering a message of some kind. And if you can't hear it and you can't understand it, um, it it's, it's, it's really hard. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's been, I've talked about this before, where there's been studies done where if, if, if something is just on the edge of your hearing, it's stressful. It's like the same body response as stress. And so if you're struggling to hear a presenter or something along those lines, you want, and then you're sitting in a GS all day, you know, for eight hours and you're struggling, you're going to be exhausted by the end of that mm -hmm. day, just struggling to hear. So for me, I always start with the audio and build my way up from there into the lighting and, you know, the cameras and the video production and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's kind of my priorities would be audio, then probably lighting. And then mm. your 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 projectors and all that kind of stuff. I think other people would probably put the projectors and stuff sooner, but you know me, I'm not a big PowerPoint guy. <laughs> I so, would put so, that, but I would definitely yeah. do video before fancy lighting, like effect yeah. lighting. Okay, and things that's like fair that for yep. sure. So yeah. there's basic lighting and then there's fancy lighting. I'll I'll, I'll jive <laughs> with that. Okay, all right. And and then like the la you know then the last thing for me is the centerpieces and all that kind of stuff. But that's me, you yeah. know. That's that's that I'm a production person, and so for me that truly is fluff. And mm -hmm. you know, uh, again, being kind of galaxies and some of the money that I saw spent on centerpieces and stuff, it's like, well, that, you know, that could have covered that extra audio tech that we really needed, <laughs> you know, that we yeah, didn't yeah. have. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know if that was a decision that was actually made consciously or unconsciously. But sometimes you look at that stuff and be like, okay, that's not where I would spend my money. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure, I would put into when it comes to the event, uh, an event technology focus is that. Um, I would put money into the whatever the user interface someone's going to be using day to day at your event. So like you know what I'm saying is like I would actually deprioritize having the most amazing registration system because really mm. registration systems are pretty on the front end are pretty similar to each other but you know someone's going to interact with it for maybe 20 minutes out of the whole journey. But if you're using an event app and your event app's user interface sucks People aren't going to want to network with each other. They're not going to want to watch live streams. They're not going to use the chats, those sort of things. And then if I had to pick like another event technology thing, I would prioritize those things. And then I think then having a good registration system so you can get the data. I think then also a good tracking system so you can track the data from your events would be my priority before I'm worrying about 
fancy audience engagement like what's new right like i wouldn't be looking at oh we gotta do facial tracking and recognition to know what their sentiment analysis is <laughs> right. i would have like look make it so the app's easy to use and you can collect that data maybe using rfids or, or bluetooth low energy i think those have gone down and cost a lot but like it's funny how many people are like oh i heard this new audience engagement polling system let's spend money mm -hmm. on it it's gonna drive more engagement i'd be like how about let's go back and look at our, our other the actual event, you know, and make sure that we have good speakers or less well, quality of speakers rather than quantity of speakers, that sort of thing on there too. Goals and objectives, baby. Goals and yep. objectives. Yep. On you know, you bring you bring up a great point, and um, it jives with what I've always said about technology that I'd rather see old technology used well than new technology used just because it's new. Um, to that point, like when we talk about event apps and things like that, the number of times where like the most basic functionality is incredibly hard to use, where it's like, I just want to open it up and look at a map of the venue. And it's like, <laughs> you got to open it up and it take, oh, it's got to refresh first. Okay, it refreshed. Okay, now where, okay, menu, uh, where is that? You know, and it's just like, you're just dying for, I wish I had it on the back of my, you know, name badge, you know, something yeah. along those lines. And so I would, again, rather see the event app, you know, do these, you know, do the core functionality really, really well than to, you know, to have every feature under the sun. And especially early on in the pandemic, people were doing these giant spreadsheets of every feature under the sun, you know, oh that was God. available. And so uh, it's like, that's great, but let's focus in on doing the basics really super well before we even start working like you said start thinking about audience engagement or polling or any of that kind of stuff let's get the basics how easy is it for me to bring up a map of the venue yep. I <laughs> love that. how easy is it for me to log in and register and look at the schedule like that's what people use those things for the most mm -hmm. is the map of the venue and the schedule um and where stuff is and so then work your way out from there mm, i like it um couple other prioritization things I would prioritize like graphic designers helping you out to skin things and make it look pretty too, mm. because that can sometimes make a more simple platform look really, really good. Like in the event process community, like Hublo isn't an insanely customizable. You can do some pretty crazy customization, but there's maybe eight different graphics you can change. But because you had a good graphic designer looking at it, we made it look really, really good. Right, right. Um, and then I think the other thing I think about when it comes to the, the event technology stuff where I prioritize things is making sure that you look at yeah exactly what people i mean let's be honest your note about goals and objectives like just what like everyone needs to listen to that <laughs> so hardcore because like almost everything we're gonna say is gonna relate back to that yeah, in some way it so, always does yeah. so let, so let me go to one new uh, new one then <laughs> um if you are tech savvy which a lot of people who listen to this podcast are or you have someone who is really tech savvy this is an area i would potentially explore this is risky though when it comes to budget and that's looking at betas of softwares. So I'm a huge fan of trying to find the new tool that comes out. And a lot of times it's less expensive because they've, they're they running on, you know, the early VC money. They're trying to get their first couple customers. They're willing to be a lot cheaper. So, for example, um, you, I think you remember this. Um, when we were at Frankfurt, we used Sketch. And Lindsay recommended Sketch to us. And it was, like brand, I think, brand new at the time. And mm. not many people were using it. But because it was that, we could use a tool that I think was either free or really, really cheap, like $20 sure. to do this. And that helped us get a very, very basic schedule. It did. But we were tech savvy enough that we figured out how to embed it into these other tools that we're using. And you know, we were willing to really build it out. We were tech savvy and built, able to do that. So one thing to consider, if you're really strapped for cash and your budget's getting slashed or whatever it is, and you're tech savvy enough, sometimes you can 
find more up and coming tools. You know, it, you know, uh, since I was digging on Hopin earlier, and I don't think anyone from Hopin pays attention to our show. Hop, like, <laughs> if you're using Hopin and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars using Hopin, maybe it's time to look to see, hey, is there another tool that's like Hopin that's come out in the last two years that does 80% of what we're trying to do, but doesn't have a big brand quite yet? And if you're willing to put that time and effort in, you might be able to make up for the fact that 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 cost has gone up. There's another reason on that as well, is that a lot of those younger companies being young and hungry want to be able to put big names on their website. Oh, So yeah, if you're yeah. working for, for a name brand association or organization or something like that, um, you might have an advantage over some of the lesser known associations and organizations because you can say, hey, we will give you permission to say, you know, you did our event, obviously, mm. if it goes well, I mean, not if yeah, it goes yeah. terribly, but you know, if it goes well, <laughs> you give us a 20% discount, and then we'll or, or more, you know, or free, you know, I mean, there's lots of ways that you can mm -hmm. negotiate that. And then you get to use it as a case study, <sighs> or you get to use it as a, you know, as you know, putting our logo on your website, especially those young, hungry companies, they need to be able to say, we've worked with Hyatt and Best Buy and Target mm -hmm. and uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And, you know, so if you're at one of those organizations, and those organizations are facing budget crunches, just as much as everybody else, and including a lot of layoffs in Silicon Valley these days, um, you can potentially find that's a, that's a great point, you know, either in betas or just young companies that need that marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's I, I sorry I had something else but I lost it. <laughs> no, but to the point like it's a risk, you know, like you could right. potentially yep, like yeah, having a young company, yeah, you're not getting the C vent who's been around for years and you know they have 500 employees and stuff, but you right. might end up like uh, being able to help out on that end. Um, one thing I'll add in too is that like when you're looking at these technologies too, another area to potentially look at is being careful if you had like a lot of custom work done in order to get you to where you are. Um, sure. So this is an exa potential example um, is that it, let's say, for example, you need an integration with your CRM and it wasn't a native integration. They might have had to put a developer on it to make sure it's working and all those things like that. You want to potentially look at maybe what technologies exist out there that are more out of the box too. So that's another thing too is the more that it's out of the box and you get to set it up, the cheaper it's going to be. But the more that they need to come in and help get it all set up and things like that, the more expensive it's going to be. And obviously, I'm sure there's some listeners right now that say I'm the custom person and I'm the cheapest um, on here too. But like, right. let's let's be honest, like that usually doesn't work in that. <laughs> It's not usually sustainable is what yeah. it is. is, is yeah. it, it, there's a certain amount of growth you can do when you're going that way, but at some point it becomes unsustainable that you just don't have enough developers to handle all of the requests. And I've definitely run into that where it was clear that everything was being done manually on the back end by coders, you know, in order to change stuff. And we ran into problems where, you know, then we couldn't get a hold of that person or, mm -hmm. you know, something along those lines where they were just busy or it was the weekend and, you know, we couldn't get a hold of anybody. Oh, that person doesn't come in until eight and, you know, that kind of stuff. So there's, there's definitely positives and minuses when you're in that world of, oh yeah, we're fully custom, whatever you need, we'll make it happen. You know, that's great, but it's a double-edged sword. Oh, I like it. I got one last thing, I think, um, on here. I'm sure this might be a two-part part episode, too, because oh, yeah. there's probably I mean, more there's things lots that we things. have. Anytime um, you're talking about budget, there's a million things million that you can do to change. 
the one idea I have, so we talked about potentially do not like, oh, we're gonna do hybrid, let's not do hybrid this year. And almost the idea like, hey, let's scale back. And I think that's kind of obvious. Like if we have less attendees, if we have a smaller venue, all these costs go down, right? Like AV, for example, you don't need as much audio if you're in a smaller room, you know, like as an example. But one thing to think about, I think when it comes to this is a lot of times as event planners, we're looking to grow every single year. How can I get a hundred more attendees? How can I do five uh you know breakout room uh concurrent breakout rooms rather than three uh, how can i make it better than last year i think in a lot of times too this is something that i've gotten from my wisdom and being in my 30s now <laughs> is that it's also okay to say let's just wait one more year let's sustain yeah. for one year and give the same level of quality let's not change everything let's tell all of our vendors we're trying to just hold on through this next year, not necessarily because we we need to make the money or we're going to go out of business, but like, hey, we just need to kind of put a pause as we brace through this 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 next year rather than trying to grow towards it. Sustaining is good, right? Like like a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of the problem with Silicon mine, you know, Valley mindset is just growth, 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 growth. And sometimes we are guilty of that in the events world of like, it's got to be growth, 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 mm -hmm. growth. But sustaining your attendee count from year to year is good. And mm -hmm. that th th there's nothing wrong with that. And th that, yes, we, you know, there's more association dues and things like that if you can get more and more people to come. But when, you know, the opposite is also true that if, you know, uh, it was a conversation I was listening to probably on Office Hours uh, with Alex Lindsay Office Hours was uh, they were talking about like, if you get a 30% dip in your attendance, you know, you're basically done. Like mm -hmm. it'll linger, you know, it'll linger on, it'll last mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. But once you get kind of that 30% dip, you're just, hanging on for you know life you know, yeah, at that yeah. point you're on life support and that you know can be nearly impossible to overcome so just sustaining your membership through a downturn um sustaining the amount of income through a downturn is an achievement in and of itself sometimes and mm -hmm. so yeah that's a great point that sometimes we need to not be so worried about grow 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 and just be okay with uh we had the same amount as last year and I'll share personal experience around this too. Like I was uh, early on in my you know, entrepreneurial group, I came out of ASU. So it was a lot of like high growth companies. Everyone's looking to grow crazy. So everyone was pressuring growth. And then I joined Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a fantastic organization. I learned everything I need to know about business from it. But a lot of people were about like grow, 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 grow. And it got me in this mindset of thinking like if I'm not growing, am I dying? And I think it ended up creating this also unsustainable lifestyle for me in a lot of ways too. So, you know, in a lot of ways too, like I think saying like, Hey, sustainability is sustain yep. sustaining is good too. You know, there's definitely something to be said for saying, you know, we, okay, you know what, we've got a hundred clients. Um, maybe we just try and slowly work on improving the quality of those clients. Right. So, you know, mm -hmm. you start to phase a few out on the back edge and then maybe you're going for a little bit more, you know, higher end client on the front edge. And so as you woo those new clients, you're slowly getting rid of the old clients that aren't, you know, worth it for you, you know, from a financial standpoint. And, you know, you're not growing your numbers of people, but you are still growing and making, you know, each one of those clients worth more um, and, and kind of weeding your garden or something. I don't know what the metaphor is, but something <laughs> along those lines. I'm sure there's a business entrepreneurial metaphor. We, you know, uh, monkey in the coconut, right? That's yeah, a great metaphor. No, it's Homer in the candy machine. We've already established. It's Homer, Homer in the candy machine. I love it. I love it. Well, I know we're um, we got a lot of good stuff. I think in this one, that's a, a long one. I think for us, but I have um, a feeling yeah, it will be a continuing conversation for, for sure. the next few months, for sure. 
and let us know too, like email us and let us know, are you running into a specific budget scenario? And we would love to workshop it live on air and work through it. You know, similar to how we've done the AV audits in the past, like send us what your challenge is. Like, hey, my platform cost has gone up 20%. My AV cost has gone up 10%. Here's what it looks like. What would you guys do? And we're happy to help work through those things and help share our advice on air as well. I think that would be a ton of fun. So yeah, open call to the listeners. Um, you know, as we've called for in the past, you know, send us, send us your RFP, send us, send us your quotes and we'll take a look at it and uh, let you know what we think. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I love it. I love it. Brand, this was a good, those are a good one. I, an hour flew by. This was a lot Absolutely. of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> you can tell we've done a lot of budget conversations over There's our many years in this industry. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for tuning on. You got our call to action email us event tech podcast at helloendless.com. Um, and yeah, Brant, congratulations again on the new role. We're excited Woo-hoo. to see where you go in the future. And uh, yeah, uh, I think we'll get out of here and send the podcast off. Event tech out. Out. <laughs> thanks again for listening to the event tech podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.